0: Let's, pre- let's pray before we begin. Father, thank you for a wonderful morning so far. Thank you that uh, you are present here with us in the service, in our homes, in our lives. That you have not forsaken us and that you are for us and not against us. Father, I thank you for the series that we started last week. This series in the Gospel of John. May we come to it uh, expecting to know more about you. May we come to believe in the name of Jesus even uh, more strongly as we go forward. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, one of the glorious truths, and yet in many ways mysterious to us as Christians, is the Trinity. That God is one, and yet three in one Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that they are not separated in divine identity, and yet somehow have different roles. This truth can sometimes give us a massive headache, and for many people throughout human history, they've tried to comprehend the mysteries of the Trinity using earthly things that we can find any day. Some have tried to use an egg as an example, or a three-leaf clover, or even water, and yet all of these fail in comparison to the biblical union of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's no getting around this solid doctrinal belief. In fact, for this morning and for much of this chapter in John chapter 14, we will see Jesus detailing the work of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit as well as how to know all of them deeply and personally as one God. If you weren't with us last week, we started a new series in John 14 through to 17, which should take us throughout the whole summer, if you can believe it. Here's why we're doing this series, if you missed last week. In these four chapters, 14, 15, 16, and 17, Jesus gives us his last words to his disciples, his disciples friends, his followers, before being led away to being crucified, to be beaten and spat on at the cross. In these four chapters in the Gospel of John, Jesus tells his closest friends and followers things that will not just help them prepare for the coming days, but for all of life as followers of him. These words to us should be like gold that we keep precious to us in all the days of our life. Words that give us life, as John twenty thirty one tells us, the purpose of that whole book. But these are written that you may believe, believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the goal of the entire book of John, that by reading these words, we may take Jesus at his word as the Messiah and Son of God, and through that, we would have glorious life in his name. Here's what we learned last week, if you weren't with us. Number one, we were called to believe in Jesus as the one who was preparing a place for you. A place, a real place with no rental fee and with no end. For those in Christ, the journey begins with Christ and ends with Christ. There is no point without him in our journey with him. Number two, believe in Jesus, who is the only way to knowing God. You see, believing in Jesus means we get to know God. Because as John says in John 1, 2 to 3, He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Number three, believe in Jesus, who is the only way to the Father. Remember, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life in John 14, 6. See, not only is knowing Jesus the way to knowing God, Faith in Jesus, knowing Jesus, is the only way to the Father. To the Father. How glorious is it that God has provided a way to know him personally. Number four, believe in Jesus who is the truth. The truth itself. Don't look for truth anywhere else. In order to find truth, delve deep into his word. Number five, believe in Jesus who is the life the way to actually live life, the one thing we all crave and the one thing we all need, to truly live, not simply just exist, but live, to have life. Jesus started John chapter 14 by telling his disciples and us these words. I want us to hear the tone of Jesus in these words. It says, do not let your what, your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. These are powerful words from the Son of God. These five truths that I just said reminded us of how we can have a heart that isn't troubled. This morning, Jesus continues to tell us why our hearts don't need to be troubled. And this time, it is rooted in the unity between Father and Son. If you have your Bibles with you, open up to John 14, verse 8. We're going to read that passage that Kathy read just minutes ago. John 14, verse 8. Let's see. Philip said this. Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Let's go verse 9 to 11. Continues on. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Like last week, we get to hear from a disciple who asks a question. This time, Philip, last week we heard from Thomas. Now, in one way, we can almost scoff at the lack of attention that the the disciples are giving Jesus. As Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. Show us the Father, and it's enough for us. When Jesus said just before in verse 7... If you had known me, you would have known my father Father also. From now on, you do know him and have what? And have seen him. And yet, many people hear of Jesus today, even read about him and sing of him for their whole lives and don't really pay that close attention. Is that you this morning? Have you grown up in the church Grown up hearing about Jesus, singing songs about him, possibly even reading the Bible, learning about the Bible, and perhaps you actually didn't pay attention to it. And no, I don't mean simply sleeping through the sermons. I mean, have you uh, grown up going through all of the religious emotions and habits, and in reality, you haven't actually encountered the real Jesus? Do you often have so much religious routine, like standing up in the service when you're supposed to, clapping when you're supposed to, or even saying the right things when all along you have forgotten or neglected to see Jesus for who he truly is? That he is actually the way. He's actually the truth and the life, as he said last week. So before we scoff at a question like Philip's, and at Thomas, and I'm sure other disciples for not paying attention to Jesus, we need to see where we haven't paid attention to his words and not taken him at his word. Remember what Jesus challenged us with last week. Believe. Believe in him and be free. Believe and be free. If you haven't been paying attention for your whole life to who Jesus is, Notice what he says here. And if that isn't you, notice how Jesus says this in grace. This is how he answers Philip. He says in verse 9, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Graciously, Jesus does not ignore the question, but gets right to it. He says, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? This answer wasn't to put down Philip, but rather to encourage him to pay attention to his words, to the words of Jesus. This is why Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Now don't glance over this. Jesus is claiming right here that to see the Father, to see God, all people have to do is look at Jesus. This truth is found even later in the New Testament writings of Paul. Colossians 1.15, Paul writes, The Son, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. But why is this important right now? Why is this important, and how does it help troubled hearts? I think because often in our troubled hearts, we believe that God is far away. He is distant. And if distant, then in some way, we have to work our way to knowing him. In our anxious moments, our false thoughts about God start to drown out the truth. We start to think God isn't here, God isn't good. God is distant. But what does Jesus say right here? He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Church this morning, God is here. God is good and God isn't distant. In the word made flesh, Jesus, and the written word of God, we can know God. And that ought to be our highest pursuit of anything in our life, to know God. As the 90s worship song goes, if you know the song, you can sing it. It says, Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness. And I love you, Lord. Is that our joy this morning? That to know the Father is to know the Son? I hope so. Our Father isn't far away and unknown. He is revealed in Jesus and in the entire Bible. In fact, what if we read the Bible to get to know God instead of trying to read the Bible to see what we can do for God? What if we read the Bible for the love of God and seen truly his love for us in Christ? How would that transform your life? How would that transform your reading of God's word? As we continue, Jesus details the unity of the Father and the Son. He says these words in the passage, Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. If you underline your Bibles or highlight them, highlight this. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. What could be more united than that? Jesus tells us to believe him once again in this passage. Believe. Yes, we heard last week and were reminded last week that belief is really hard sometimes. And yet, we just can't push it away. Without belief in Jesus, we have nothing. But with belief in Jesus, we have everything. Jesus is the only constant in our life, and we must hold on to that in the midst of a world that doesn't believe it. Verse 12 shows us two other ways we can have our hearts not troubled. So what it says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So in some glorious way, all who believe, not just the pastor or the teacher or the great biblical theologian, all who believe will carry on the works of Jesus. Now, I think we need to unpack this verse for a few minutes because if taken simply at first glance it may be understood in a way that gives false expectations to Christians. Firstly, Jesus has said this exact phrase before, whoever believes in me. Earlier on, John 6.35, whoever believes in me shall never thirst. John 7.38, whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. John 11.25, Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. John 12, 46. Whoever believes in me will not remain in darkness. What this means is that there is nobody that is a more spiritual Christian, at least in the way that we usually mean. All who believe, normal Christians, will never thirst will have rivers of living water flow out of them. They will live. They will not remain in darkness. The list goes on and on. So knowing that all who believe will carry on his works means that we don't have to have our hearts troubled. But this also means we need to ask exactly what this means. Does this mean that all who believe will walk on water? Because i got to say, I haven't done that yet. Does this mean all who believe will turn water into wine? I haven't done that yet either. Does this mean that Christians can walk the streets of Cremona or Carstairs or Crossfield or Calgary and just heal anybody they want? To answer these questions, let's go back to verse 11. I want to see the connection between verse 11 and verse 12. It says this, verse 11, Believe me, When I say that I am in the Father, the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Then, right after verse 12, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. There's a clear connection here between belief and works. The works of Jesus are displayed so that people believe in him. That is the ultimate reason for the works of Jesus. And this is the reason for our lives, our work in the world, so that people would see Jesus through us, a display of the gospel, Jesus himself. So here's what I think about this passage. Can we, as in the church, the body of Christ, because of the Spirit, because of Christ in us and through us, do the works of Jesus? Absolutely. But it is only by the will of God that they happen, because it is through him, and those works should only point to him and not us. This doesn't mean that we expect to walk on water. I recommend that you don't expect to walk on water but we rather expect that God is working through us because of our belief in Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Through this, we know our hearts don't have to be troubled because we will carry on his works, not as a burden to us, but as a great joy to show the world Jesus, our good shepherd. The other half of verse 12 gives us more insight. It says, we, that is all who believe, will do greater works than the works of Jesus because he is going to the Father. So not only will we carry on the works of Jesus, but apparently here we will do greater works than him. Notice here we won't be greater than Jesus. We won't be greater than him, just greater works. Before we ask questions, can we simply pause and notice the power and sheer impact of those words? Greater works than Jesus. Now, I think greater works here doesn't necessarily mean more miraculous works. In fact, the Apostle Paul in the book of 1 Corinthians makes known that not all Christians are expected to do all the things. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 11 He says to the church in Corinth, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, Just as he determines. Back to the words of Jesus here, as he said, Whoever believes in me, greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. I believe what he meant was that every Christian was not expected to do things more miraculous than Jesus, at least not more spectacularly miraculous. So, what are these greater works? Because Jesus is going to the Father. I think it comes down to this, that Jesus is going to the Father. And as we will see next week, we will receive the Holy Spirit. You see, no one before Jesus had received the Spirit through faith. And in the power of that absolutely new experience, the indwelling of the crucified and risen Christ, your works of love and your message of life in union with Christ Will point people to the glory of Jesus, and you will be the instruments of their forgiveness. This will be new. As Pastor John Piper says, this will be greater than Jesus' earthly miracles, because this is what he came to accomplish by his death and resurrection. So, in relation to having our hearts not troubled, We can do so because we have the Spirit who helps us point all of our works to Jesus. Let's go to verses 13 to 14 as we end the passage this morning. It says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. You see, there's one condition to asking things of Jesus. Jesus that it is must be in his name this isn't new to have a condition as john 15:7 just a little later on says if you abide in me and my words abide in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you this time the condition is in the name and i don't think jesus simply means let's pray jesus give me a brand new car amen as in let's just stick Jesus into our prayers and see him give us all of our material desires. What I think Jesus means in this passage is that all of the glory goes to God. This is what the whole passage has been about and really what the entire Bible is all about. That when we do these things, when people see us do the works of Jesus, they will see Jesus and God gets all of the glory. When Jesus says, if you ask me anything in my name, I believe he means for the name of his whole being, his whole mission on earth, which is as well, we'll learn in a couple chapters, is to bring glory to the Father. In my name. That is for the fame of Jesus and not us. Because of his divine worth and our infinite payments on the cross, and according to his sovereign wisdom, We need to put every request through that filter. His fame, his worth, his purchase, his wisdom, and every prayer will be answered. We will have everything we need, not necessarily the things we think that we need, but the things that we need in order to do, this is important, the works that Jesus does, and even the greater works that we will do. Philippians 4.19 My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Everything we need. Don't fret, God knows what you need. All we need to do right now is ask God so that he gets all of the glory, so that we lean on him in our humility and that he will give us all that we need right now. Not everything we think we need, but everything we need. And that is what a good God does. So as we start to close this morning, we need to remember the words of Jesus. John 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. This morning, we had even more reasons for this. Here they are for review. Number one, to know the Father is to know the Son. Number two, all who believe will carry on his works. Number three, we will all do something greater than his works because of the Spirit within us. Number four, we have access in prayer to Jesus to get everything we need for his glory. We ask and we will receive. So again, church, do not worry. Do not let your hearts be troubled. God speaks through his word, and we can speak to him our anxieties and worries. Lay it all at his feet. God isn't far away. In his word, we can know him, and in Jesus, the word made flesh. We can know the Father. This is the unity of the Father and the Son. Soon next week, we'll hear about the Spirit, our holy and Trinitarian God, who in his glorious mercy has given us the ability to know him. How amazing is that? Next week, we'll continue on in this chapter. I actually encourage you to read all of John 14 this week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Uh, for your word thank you that we can open it up without fear of persecution like in many areas in this world That we can open it up and we can uh, read together online even in our households with the people in our family father may we look into your word to know more about you may pursue may we pursue uh, the knowledge of you as our highest goal in all of life we want to know you lord Jesus, thank you for these words given to your disciples and given to us now. We pray that you are given all of the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.